Welcome, friend. I'm Rick Pasquale. Thank you for joining us today. I believe God has a word for you. I know God loves you and has a plan for your life. So listen to this live service and let God speak to you. Today is our once a year, but every week, but once a year, but every week, we talk about missions. This is the week that we ask you to do more than pray. Behind me, through this few moments of presentation, are the missions endeavors that we have participated and not only prayed for, but financially supported over the last number of months. When one of my finance guys stood here a few moments ago to said that we are a missions sending and giving church, he wasn't making up words. I believe that in order to fulfill the Great Commission, we must do more than talk about it. God asks us to go everywhere and to tell everyone the good news. Did you hear what I just said? Tell everyone the good news. And there's still more people that need to hear the first time. Did you hear what I just said? I got 7 billion people living on this planet. And it's the commission of the church, the believers, to go everywhere and to tell everyone the good news. Now, God has sent you to Rome for this moment. It does not tell us that we are to only handle Rome. Though we do a good job of what we're doing, but we can do better. So in this area of Rome which is our Jerusalem, we, we do a number of things. We do medical for people. We do food and clothing distribution for those that are in need. We have an incredible resource center called Bella Vida that teaches life skills and, and things to people, sewing classes and art classes and things to help people. That's part of missions. we got to be helpers in the kingdom. We do children's programs and youth programs, not just within the church, but outside the church. Those help our city. And then we do a huge, massive distribution of literature. Thousands of Bibles go out of this church to the streets of the city. Pieces of literature, thousands of pieces of literature go out from this church to this city. And on top of that, we have a, a media ministry that sends this gospel to the ends of the earth every single Sunday where thousands and thousands of people watch every week what we do here in Rome. It's our job to tell. It's God's job to save. I like that equation because all I got to do is tell. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Man, that's easy to tell, isn't it? Because God saved us. He changed us. We ought to be able to tell others. Amen? Amen. And then we care about Italy. Some of you are born and raised here. My relatives were born and raised here. God brings me back after many years of living in America to come back to Italy to help my home country. And so we do a number of things. You saw some pictures on that screens of churches that we've helped uh, bless and help them in their building programs. We have a church that's an extension of ICF 
Rome that's right here in the city that we financially support and and give other types of donations to so their church can continue to be blessed. Their pastor will be with us in a few weeks to just wish us for this year. Thank you. I'm going to have him stand right here and look in you in the eyes and say thank you for helping us reach more of Rome. See, it's not just about what we do. It's about what we can help others to do. So we can't just be our own island. We've got to help others. And that's in our own city. So that is our heart to reach the lost here in Rome. So that handles our Samaria department. And I I know that that doesn't stop the Great Commission. Because to the ends of the earth, our theme for this year is amazing. Because it's, you can't just say it's just Rome, and you can't just say it's just Italy. You've got to say to the ends of the earth. And you've watched if you came in in time and then through the dinner time today, there will be videos showing of, of missions endeavors that we do around the world. And I tell you, I know that we're in the middle of a building program, the first in the history of this church. 31 years of existence, and we've ever, never owned a building. And God is about to give us our very first building. And I'm excited about that. But in the middle of getting our very first building and moving this mass of people to a bigger location so we can all get there easier and it be more accessible to this city for people, In the middle of that, as your pastor, I'm going to ask you that this be our greatest year ever of giving to missions. So on your chair, when you sat down today, was this card. And this card I want you all to take in your hand right now. If you're still sitting on it, please move over a little bit and grab it. Everybody should have one of these because we just passed out a few hundred of them and there should be on your chair. Every year we do the same. So for our normal every week people that have been here for for a few years, you know we do this. The reason we do this is because we are saying to the Lord, but we're putting on a little bit of paper, Pastor, I'm behind you. And I'm going to help financially support this coming year. Now, I'm not asking you to take your tithe money and move it to the missions department, nor am I asking you to take your building legacy campaign money and move it to the missions department. But what I am asking you to do is every single person in this room, I'm asking you to do something this coming year for missions. Everybody. In this room today, there's over 75 nations of the world. When you log on to what's being live streamed right now around the world, that brings us over 100 nations of the world are part of what we're doing. They just listened around the world to what I just said. So I was telling people in China, you gotta, you got to give to missions. Now, listen. I hope the only thing that that did was tell them we care about them. Do you hear what I just said? I hope that's what it said. And so today, 
from this moment on to the lunchtime to Wednesday night prayer to next Sunday, I want every one of you, students, moms, dads, grandparents, business people, diplomats, refugees, every person. I want every person in this room. So you all see who I'm looking at. I'm looking at every person in this room. I want every person to do something. And that means you're saying to God, I'm all in. I'm in this. See, God didn't call me to go to the ends of the earth by myself or with Pastor Jim, Jen, or Pastor Jim. He called all of us. And so all of us should say yes to Jesus. So Lord, today, as we do our part, I'm asking you, God, for your favor upon our lives and upon the ministries here in Rome. Lord, I know that these people in this room and are watching on these cameras have your heart. And I'm speaking by faith to believe that financially this will be the best year of their life. You will bless them and they will be shocked at what you're going to give them because they are part of fulfilling the Great Commission. God, I pray for families in this room or watching around the world that their family members are not Christians. I pray in the name of Jesus that this be the year they get saved. God, I pray for family members that are sick in body. I pray this be the year they get healed. But God, at the bottom line of all this, I want the kingdom enlarged. I want your will be done. And I pray in the name of Jesus, when I stand here next year in a different building, I pray that God, that smile that we've put on your face today because we've been obedient to not look at exact euro amount, but we've looked by faith to see what you would say to us to give to missions. Help us do our best. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You know, if there's one thing I love to do, I love to preach missions. As you know, I'm invited a lot around the world to go to different things and preach missions. But today I'm honored to introduce a friend to you to preach missions. When someone is your friend, they can say they're your friend, but the signs of friendship are supported by action. I can say that you're my friend, but unless there's support of that action, you're just, it's just a word. Friends do things for friends. Friends pray. Friends support. Friends encourage. Fenton Freedom Center, Michigan, has been a friend to ICF Rome. For five years, they have not only financially supported us, this church, but every year for five years, they have sent a team of workers to our church to serve us. If you would have watched them this week, they cleaned bathrooms and they, they 
did all kinds of stuff that you think, why would they come all the way from America to get down on their hands and knees and clean up messes and stuff? Because they love you. They love our church. They've decorated rooms for today's presentation of the meals and things. They, they've, they, they've done such an incredible job this week of helping us. I tell them every time, we help to get go faster. Well, we're honored today to have the senior pastor of this great church with us. His name is Jim Wiegand, and he's my friend. And when I call somebody my friend, to me, that means something. To me, that means something. But I'm asking you today to open your heart to hear what God would say to you around the world and in here in Rome, what God would say to you through my friend. And so would you please welcome to this platform, Pastor Jim Wiegand. I love you. Oh, good morning. Hey, there's my wife. Isn't she beautiful? I love my wife. I miss my wife. Tonight, I will sleep in a hotel in Rome. Tomorrow, I will sleep in my home with my wife. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Um, it is always such a great honor to stand here and to be a part of this, to serve uh, under your pastors, Pastors Rick and Pastor Jennifer they are world-class leaders, and we are so honored to learn from them. And, you know, they say, well, we came to clean. Well, we, we came to clean, but we also came to glean. We, we want what you have back in Michigan. We want to see people from many groups and many nations come together. I've been not all over the world, but I've been to many places. And I will tell you, there is no other place in the world I have ever seen like this place. There's no other people. There's no other people in the world like these people, like you. In this room right now, there are people from nations. And the kings and the politicians, they, they don't like each other. There's people here from different nations. And your football team doesn't like the other nation's football team. There are people in this room whose ancestors, ancestors, ancestors wronged your ancestors, ancestors, ancestors. But in this room, we're not under the authority of a king or a president or a football team or a grudge. Today, we're under the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And today, today, with that alone unifying us, I see before me what Peter must have seen on the day of Pentecost. People from all over the world coming together under the name of Jesus Christ. It's, uh, it's an honor to work with such excellent people. You your team has served us so kindly and so well. I was on a diet for three months before I came here because the spirit of gelato has filled your nation. And it will take some weeks to cast it out of me, I'm, I'm sure. I'm grateful for our interpreter today, Benny. And uh, because she has to say everything that I say, I will now say hello my name is Benny, and I am a wonderful person. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, I would like to start today by just telling you a story of something that God did in my life many years ago. It was 25 years ago. When I was younger, I liked to climb mountains. Now that I'm older, I like to look at them. But when I was younger, I would go to the desert in the, the southern part of, of uh, my country. And uh, it was our last day of vacation. And I told my family, why don't you sleep in? I'm going to go climb this mountain. That I, I seems like just about every time I climb this mountain, God speaks to me. How many have television sets? Do you have television sets? Do you have antennas? I mean, there's just some places the picture's better. There's, there's just some channels you get in clearer. And, and as, I, and as I, I, I go to the top of that mountain, many times God would speak to me. And as I was climbing up that mountain, I, I found a, a level place. And I stopped at that level place. And I, you know, you're tired. You bend over and you, <sighs> and sweat is dripping off of me. And I, and I stopped and I turned around to the valley below. Four million people were waking up. Lights were coming on, like, like looking at the stars in the sky. And I looked, and I, and I sensed just a, a quiet, still voice from God in my heart. And, and the, the Lord said this, I love you. I'm looking forward to spending time with you on the mountain today. I could, I could just feel it. It wasn't, they weren't words. It was just, I just knew it to be true, and I just felt the love of my Heavenly Father. And then I heard him say something I don't recall him ever saying before. And he said, if you want, you can stay right here and not climb the rest of the mountain. If you decide to stay here, I will not love you less. And if you decide to climb to the very top, I cannot love you more. You're my son. And I'm just glad to be on this mountain with you. And then he said these words, but if you'd like... There's another level. And so I, I looked up the mountain, and I saw another level spot, and I thought, well, I can climb that far. And so I, I took a couple deep breaths, and I began to climb again, and it's, it's, it's dark, it's morning, and I'm climbing, and the stars and the, the lights are coming on below in the mountains of the city. And, and as I, I got to that next level, I bent over again, and I'm breathing, and I'm sweating, and I'm exhausted. And again, without listening, I, I just heard the still, small voice of the Lord speak to me and say, son, I'm just so glad that you're climbing this mountain today. I'm just so glad that we're together. I'm so glad that you're listening for my voice. If you stopped right here, I would not love you less. And if you climb all the way to the top, I cannot love you more. I'm just so glad that you're here. And then he said these words. He said, but if you like, there's another level. So everybody say in your own language, there's another level. And so I continue to do this five, six, seven times. I don't know how many times, but I remember thinking the top is like from here to the buildings across the street, the roof. And I made one last push, and I climbed, and I climbed. It was the steepest part of the climb. I got to the top. I'd forgotten to bring water. I was dehydrated. I looked like a prune. I was Jim Jerky. I, 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 was, I was dried. I was mummified. I was hoping that Benny knows those words in Italian. And I got to the top, and I, I stood there, and I had about 10 minutes before I had to turn around, go get my family, and go to the airport to fly home. 
And I stood there knowing that God was going to say something to me on top of that mountain that would make the climb worth it. And I said, God, I'm listening. And I walked back and forth. God, I'm listening. God, I'm listening. God, I'm listening. I'll be quiet. God, I'm listening. God, I'm listening. And nothing happened. I thought that there would be water coming out of a rock. I thought fire would come from heaven. I thought I'd find a sacrifice caught in the thicket. But there was nothing. And so I walked down the mountain going, well, that was weird. And I went all the way down the mountain. I got to the car, and I was taking my shoes off, and I was putting on some more comfortable shoes. And I got in the car, and the Lord spoke to me one last time. He said, Jim, today was not about climbing mountains. Today was about you knowing that no matter what you do or don't do, my love for you will not change. You're, you're not working for my love. You're working from my love. And if you want to stop, if you want to settle, if you want to be comfortable, if you, if you, I, will, I will not love you less if you choose to live your life that way. And I cannot love you more if you don't choose to live your life that way. I just wanted you to know that I love you. But never forget that no matter where you are, there will always be another level. I've come today to tell you this. This church has another level. This congregation has another level. You and your heart with the Holy Spirit, you have another level. I believe that God wants to take you places. Now, we don't go to those places so that God will love us. We go to those places because God does love us. I want to be where he is. I want to serve where he serves. I want to know what it felt like to be in pain, to be hungry, to be distant from family. I, I want to know what it's like to be like Jesus. And I find that sometimes when I'm far away, I feel God. I hear God better than when I'm in my own home with my own family. Today I want to say this to you. I'm going to tell you a story, and for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you where the Scripture is, and I, I want you to read it in your own time. Our story begins in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. 1 Kings is one of the earlier books in the Old Testament. Today I want to speak to those who don't know much about the Bible, but I also want to speak to those who've been studying it for 50 years. So I want to begin by saying this. I want to tell you a story so everyone will understand. 1 Kings, chapter 19, the old prophet, the elder statesman of Israel, his name is Elijah. Everybody say, Elijah. Elijah is towards the end of his life, and he's had a very bad day. As I get closer to the end of my life, I understand very bad days. Last night, we stood in the rain for 45 minutes waiting for a Roman bus. And the young people played, and they talked, and they looked at their phones, and the old people just tried to stretch stuff. Elijah had just had a very bad day, and he'd complained to the Lord. He said, no one cares. No one feels like I feel. Everybody is sold out to, to the devil. I'm all alone, and I'm old, and I'm tired. And God speaks to him and says, that's not true. There are thousands that love me in this city. I've reserved them for myself. But as, as Elijah's getting old, God says at the end of this, he says, it's time for you to choose your replacement. And so he sends him out into a field where a young man is farming. Now, Elijah is the older man. This young man's name is Elisha. Elijah, Elisha. 
Anybody confused? I am, and I'm telling the story. He walks up to the young man. He takes his coat off, and as the young man is plowing behind oxen in the field, he simply takes his coat off, and he places it around the young man's shoulders, and he walks away. Now, somehow, the young man realizes that what has just happened is not an old man giving him his coat. Somehow, he knew who Elijah was, and that that coat, hear me now, please, that coat represented the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It was more than a coat. It was a promise. It was more than a, than a coat. It was a destiny. But that coat was just a promise that would come someday. Seven years later, some would say as many as eight years later, Elijah is about to be taken out of this world. His day is done. He's finished. Elisha is continuing to follow him. His job is to pour water on his hands when he washes his hands. His job is to go run errands for him. His job has been that he's not important. No one knows who he is. He served and served and served because he remembers many years ago when I was plowing in my field, Elijah placed a coat on my shoulders, and I know that I know that I know that if I will hold on to what God is doing in this generation, God will anoint me with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and I will see the goodness of God in my generation. There was another level, and he wanted it. Elijah now in the process, he literally is just a few hours away from being done with his life, and he knows it, but the young man does not. And so he says... We found this in 2 uh, Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Elijah says to Elisha, the older man, says to the younger man, the Lord is calling me to another place, and so I want you to stay right here in Gilgal. Everybody say Gilgal. Gilgal was the place of beginnings. If you look at the history of Israel, you'll see that Gilgal was the place when they first came out of the wilderness after 40 years of following Moses in circles. Now Moses is dead and Joshua takes over and they cross the Jordan River and the first place they come to is the town they call Gilgal. In the Jordan River, just so that generations to come would know what wonderful miracles God had done for Israel, uh, Joshua said, one person from each tribe, grab the biggest stone you can carry and we're going to build an altar. So from the bottom of the Jordan River, the Levites grabbed a rock. The, 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 everybody from every tribe grabbed the rock, and they brought it, and they built an altar made out of 12 stones. It was the place of beginnings. They renewed the covenant of circumcision at Gilgal. They were a covenant people with God. They were sacrificed to God. And for generations afterwards, whenever Israel was in trouble, whenever other countries came to destroy them and kill them and enslave them, and they didn't know what to do. They would all say, everybody gather at Gilgal. And they'd stand around an altar made of stones that their daddy's daddy's daddy had taken out of the Jordan River. And they would say, God has given us this country. God has given us this land. And they would say, God, help us. Can I say something to you? Will you love me if I say something hard? Pastor Jennifer will. No one else said yes. Some people never get past Gilgal. They never get past the place of beginnings. They say a prayer. They believe in God. When they're in trouble, they run back to God. And when they're not in trouble, they walk away from God. Some people, are, the, the walk, the relationship they have with God is a lot like Israel with Gilgal. I, I will serve you, God, when I'm in trouble. 
I, I remember the place of beginnings. I remember when I wept and I repented and you, and you forgave me. But some people never go beyond. And Elijah, the elder, goes to Elisha, the younger, and he says to him, why don't you stay right here? It's a nice place. It's got lots of water. It's next to the Jordan River. You know, people, every once in a while, every generation stops here. And we inquire of the Lord. There, there's history here. Why don't you just be like Gilgal? And this is what Elisha, the younger, says to him. Now, please hear me. He says, I, in, in essence, I have been following you through wars. I have been following you through famine. I have been following you through queens that want to kill you. I have been following you by faith that you knew what you were doing when you did some of the craziest stuff ever. I did not come this far to stop at the place of beginnings. I did not come this far. I remember what it felt like when that coat came around my shoulders. I don't want beginnings. I want something more. I want another level. And so he says to them, the Lord has called us to Bethel. And they began to walk. When they got to Bethel, you have to understand what Bethel is. Bethel had history just like Gilgal, only it was older. When Jacob was pursuing some things in his life, he had a dream and he saw in that place angels from God going up and coming down. And he realized, I'm at the front door. This is, this is where heaven opens up. This is where glory comes down. This is the house of God. And Bethel literally means the house of El, of God. And so he says, this is the house of God. Well, a city builds up there. You know, some of us are like Bethel. We, we're, we're not in Gilgal anymore. We don't just run to God when we're in trouble. We go to church every Sunday. How many of you guys know it's important to go to church every Sunday? I go to church when it rains. I go to church when the football game is on. I go to church when the buses are on strike. I go to church. But can I tell you something? Please hear me. How many of you guys know there could be something even more than just being saved and just going to church on Sunday? There's something more. And so the elder, Elijah, says to the younger, Elisha, why don't you stay here? You could settle right here. This is a nice place. People who are here seem to really enjoy it. Everybody seems happy. Everybody's friendly. Why would you need to go any farther than Bethel? And the young man, Elisha, turns to the old man, Elijah, and he says, as surely as the Lord lives, I did not come this far. I did not fight this hard. I did not wait this long so that I could stop someplace. I want something else. Man of God, don't play with me. You put a coat around my shoulders, and you made me a promise, and God prepared me for a destiny, and I want more than just going to a place to sing a song, to hear a sermon. I want something more than Bethel. They said the Lord has called us to Jericho, the next city, Jericho, and they go. Now, you have to understand something about Jericho. Are you guys still doing okay? Okay. Jericho was the place where, where there was something called the school of the prophets. If you wanted to know what God was, had done, if you wanted to know what the word of God was, if you wanted to be around the, the elder uh, spiritual leaders of the nation, you went to Jericho. 
I, I think it would probably be compared today to, to higher education, theology school, learning, being, being trained. And, and they get there, and, and can I just say very simply to you that some people would stop right there? Well, I, I have a degree. I have a degree in theology. I have a degree in, in the Bible. I, I have been mentored by great teachers. And so here's the temptation to stop once more. And Elijah, the elder, says to Elisha, the young man, why don't you just stop right here? This is, this is the academic center. This is the Rome of theology. This is the New York City of theology. This is the Paris of theology. Stop here. And the young man looks at the older man. And he says, I have not come this far and fought this hard and waited this long to stop just being smart. And so they leave that place and they go on to the Jordan River. The Jordan River for centuries has been the dividing place. It's the barrier that you cannot cross unless God gives you the power and the strength to do so. It stands as a, as a moving obstacle that nobody can cross. They come, and the, and the elder man says to the younger man, the Lord is calling me across the Jordan River. And just so you know, once you get to the other side of the Jordan River, there's nothing there. You're back in the wilderness that Moses wandered around in, in the desert where things go to die. There's no, there's no food over there. There's no cities over there. To get back to this side of the Jordan River, you'd have to go all the way north around the Sea of Galilee or all the way south around the Dead Sea. Once you cross this barrier, you are risking everything, and the Lord is going to remove me, take me out of the scene. I'm almost done. And so he says to him, stay here. And once again, the young man says, I will not. So the older man takes his cloak, takes his coat, that same coat, that he wrapped around the young man's shoulders. He takes it and he smacks the water. Boom! And the river parts. And they walk across on dry ground. Isn't that beautiful? But what you don't understand is as beautiful as that moment is, it was the place of no return. Let me say something to you. There are some things that you would do that will change everything else from that day forward. When pastors Rick and Jennifer came to your country, came to their country, came home finally to the mother country. They sold everything. They said goodbye to everyone, their children. And now that I'm a grandfather, I can appreciate so much more. They said goodbye to their grandchildren. And they came here because God told them to cross the Jordan River, someplace that you just can't come back from. You can't regain the days that are lost. You can't be there for the Little League baseball practices and the football practices and the dance recitals. And they cross the Jordan River. Listen to me. Sometimes God will ask us to do hard things. When they get to the other side, Elijah, the younger man, he's there. He's following. He's obedient. The older man, Elijah, finally turns to him, and this is what you must hear. He turns to him and he says, what do you want? I brought you to the place of beginnings. I brought you to the house of God. I brought you to be discipled and smart. What do you want beyond that? And please hear me. This is what the young man says. And this must be the cry of this church's heart. 
I want a double portion of your Holy Spirit, God. I don't want to just be saved. I am so grateful for what God saved me from, but I must be empowered for what God has saved me for. I am so grateful for the house of God and the people that gather there. And trust me, I am so grateful for the food that I am about to eat from all over the world. I am so grateful for being taught and discipled by leaders. But every generation has to have a revelation of the power of God for themselves. Every generation. There is another level. One of the things I can tell you with great confidence is because God is limitless, there will always be another level. I climb to the top of the mountain, but I will never climb to the top of God. I will never get to the end of him. I will never see the end of his power. I will never know the end of his goodness. I will never feel the fullness of his love. I will always be on a journey to the next place and the next level and the next level, and so will you. He says this. He says, I'm about to be taken from you. Young man, please, it's too late. You've asked for a hard thing. And if you're here when I'm gone, it'll be yours. But if you're not, then it won't be. Just as they're walking along, something really wonderful and strange happened. Suddenly, horses that were like fire and a chariot behind them on fire came and separated the two of them. It went through with such speed and force that it created a whirlwind. And Elijah, the older man, went up in the whirlwind. Now that's a way to go. We all go in different ways, but I bet you he's the only one in heaven that went that way. Maybe Dorothy, I don't know. He went up into heaven, and the younger man cries out, my father, my father, please don't go. Israel would be better off if they lost its horses and its chariots than to lose you. Please, father, come back. But he was gone. He's all alone. He's on the wrong side of the river. There's no way back. And he's just lost his best friend, his father, his teacher, the one who led him to Gilgal, the one who led him to Bethel, the one who led him to Jericho, the one that parted the waters of the Jordan River. And as he stares up into where his friend is just gone, he notices something's coming down. And it lands in front of him. Do you know what it was? How many of you know what it was? It was the coat that all those years ago he'd wrapped around his shoulders and promised him that he would know an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that he would take the good news, that he, that he would be a man of God who would hear the voice of God and know the heart of God. It, it landed in front of him, and he picked it up, but he doesn't know what to do with it. He carries it like it's a coat. He doesn't know, have I received it? Have I not received it? He comes back to the Jordan River. He looks to the right, and there's nobody there. He looks to the left, there's nobody there. He takes the coat. He wraps it up just like he'd seen Elijah do, and he asks this question. Where now? Where now is the God of Elijah? And he does the only thing he knows how to do when he hits it with the, with the coat, and the waters part, and he realizes the anointing of one generation has been passed to the next generation, and it multiplied. It doubled. It doubled. He asked a question. Music team, if you join me. He asked this question, where now 
is the God of Elijah. I have a question for you this morning. And it's simply this. Where now are the Elishas of God? Those who will follow. Those who will grow. Those that won't stop in their faith, won't stop in their giving, won't stop in their mission, won't stop in their anointing. But they'll always look for that next level, that next level, that next level. Because we know that God always has a next level, a next level, a next level. Where are the Elishas? Where where are the youngers that are hungry for God? They would say, please. And let me tell you, I'm not talking about age. When I say a younger, I don't mean you have to be 20 years old. How many of you know, as I get older, my body is older. I didn't do that. My body is older than my soul. My soul is still young. When my body doesn't understand what I'm doing, my soul tells it, just do what I tell you to do, and I'll pay for it tomorrow. (laughs) I didn't know we had a bass singer in the band. That's good. Would you stand your feet, please? Today you've heard a word from the Lord, and I believe God has spoken to you. So if you say this prayer with me, I know God can change your life. They're saying it live here in Rome right now with me because God can change your life. God has a plan for you. I've told you that. And I want you to believe it with all of your heart. So will you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life this day. Change me. Help me. I pray, oh God, I'm going to live for you. Friend, if you've just said that prayer, I can tell you that God has just changed you and has come into your life. Now, I believe that today you may have listened to this and you've known that God already lives in your life. Well, God wants to speak to you and help you. So I'm going to pray a second prayer, and that prayer is for a miracle to happen for you this day. I believe in miracles. I know you do as well. So let's pray and let God touch you right where you're listening to this sermon. Lord, I thank you today for my friend that has heard this message. Lord, I know that they have needs and situations that's going on in their life. God, you're a big God, and you hear and answer our prayers. So today, oh God, will you hear this prayer from your humble servant? God, will you answer this prayer on my new friend's behalf? Will you heal them? Will you touch them? Will you guide them? Lord, come in right now, wherever they're listening, Lord, and answer their prayer. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. If you've just said that prayer and listened to that prayer with me, I know that God has spoken to you. Would you do me a big favor? You're going to see, scrolled on the bottom of this, a website with an email address. If you said the prayer that said, God, come into my heart, or today you're believing with me for a miracle, I want you to drop us a quick note and say, hey, pastor, I want you to continue to pray for me and my family. You know, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And I'll guarantee you, your best days are still in front of you. So God bless you and join us next week.